Hey, welcome into the Coach Bodo's podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bodo's Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bono's Show. It'll be the first thing you come up and see. And you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 77. And today, joining me on the episode with no point five this week, our legal counsel for the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs and even greater mind and is my all-time favorite co-host. <laughs> Ellen Wiggins here, Edub is in the house. No point five today, this week, because, well, I've been busy as fuck this week. <laughs> so we're going to record this Sunday. We're doing this Sunday afternoon for a Monday release. So now everybody's caught up. If anybody says, how come no point five? That's why. I've been busy. It's been and that's good. It's been a, it's a, it is a great kind of problem this week. I have had an amazing work week. Uh, brought in a couple of new, big new clients. I'm really, really happy. Things are going well. We've always got time for more at O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com or OAGKS.com. But it's been a great week. And because of that, I've had to set some of my personal stuff aside, including the podcast. So we're back. We're back. Ida, what's new with you, girl? How are we doing today? Um, Well, it is Sunday the 26th. I am going to spend this evening hoping that the nuggets don't shit the bed against the clips. Over at uh, our our friend Ballerina, as yeah. we start toward the NBA playoffs, I've enjoyed a lot of college basketball. I have uh, even flipped on some spring spring training. So uh, I think I may be going to Sporting KC when they're in town next weekend. So it's it's been a solid sports spectacular yeah. going on around here. What what is that sweatshirt you're wearing? It's interesting. It's so this is the old Nuggets uh, mascot. That is cool. That is so, a cool-looking sweatshirt. Yeah, this is the minor. Uh, and so since we're going to the game tonight, I'm throwing it on. It's a beautiful day outside. It's about 60 degrees, perfect for a hoodie and jeans to, to go yeah. hang out outside. Yeah, well, cool. Well, enjoy the game tonight. Have a great time. Thank you. Thank you. So How I, about you? I How's your weekend? Uh, I've uh, been busy all weekend. <laughs> But it's been, it's not bad. I mean, just going through it. I'm, doing, I'm glad we're doing this, getting to talk some sports for a few minutes. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, which is not a bad thing. It's just, I'm staying busy. So, And I did, I did hit my sports book really well yesterday. You and I were both talking about this, that we kind of yeah. caught up on some, some bets yesterday and produced really well. So uh, it it was a good day for me. I, w- I was glad for some of those underdog teams to hit. And uh, so that was nice. It's an extra bonus for the weekend, right? Yeah. So I was doing great until last second buzzer beater threes started <laughs> raining down from the heavens. I had Arizona. I had on Arizona the money line. State. You had Arizona State. Uh, I had Miami. Who I literally turned the game off at halftime. Miami was up 23 on Florida mm-hmm. State. Yeah, I was you like, me. Florida State's <laughs> bad. I was like, I'm going to turn this game off. I'm going to turn the KU game off. I'm going to take a quick eye on that. Good. 
An hour and a half later, I woke up, looked at my phone, and Miami lost. And I was like, what in the fuck? But we got it all back. Everything Saturday night was good to me. And Sunday's been good so far. So I'm up for the weekend like that. It's Miami was the linchpin. If I had won that game, I'd have been up, 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 up. Yeah. uh, I got that text from you yesterday, the the what the fuck text. And I was like, oh, I laid off that game. Didn't touch it. But Arizona and uh, Indiana winning yesterday were quite beneficial. Yeah. Well, I stayed I stayed as far away from that Indiana Purdue game as possible because I was like, okay, Indiana beat them once. They yep. can beat them again. And Purdue is in collapse mode. I I don't think it's collapse mode. I think it's people have finally seemed to figure it out the second time around how to play Evie. Well, he is, and, he, and that's that's a problem. That's what I, I – Edie's great, but Purdue is now lost. Let me look at this. Let me make sure I'm right on this. One, what, two, the last three, four, four out of five? Four, four out of six. Four out of they six. beat the hell out of Ohio State earlier in the week, which Ohio State's ter- terrible, but they won today. They did. Lead, lead off that game. Just that thought there was a chance Ohio State might do something. Um, and they beat Iowa. Talking about Purdue. But they've lost otherwise four out of six. And I, I Purdue's not been good. I mean, since they were the they were the number one team in the country, and then they've lost four out of six since. And you can't do that on the backside of the schedule. It's the the conference schedule's too important. It is, and my argument would be that, despite, because um, I believe, yeah, both Houston and Alabama won this weekend. Yeah, but. Given the strength of schedule of the Big 12, there's a solid argument for KU to be number one. I think over Houston, I could see that argument because of the strength of schedule. I think Houston would beat Kansas. Houston's just long and athletic. um, But at any time, I think they can get upset as well. They've been upset twice this year where I was like, wow, they shouldn't have lost either of those games. Yep. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I think Kansas is playing about as good as you can play right now. Um, they just don't have big. So I would hate to see them run into Purdue with Edie. But at the same time, Purdue's other four couldn't play with any of the other fours at Kansas. So I just don't know how that would go down. Um, and I do think Jalen Wilson's the best player in the country. So yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of fun. We're going to be closing out um, yeah. conference regular season conference play on Saturday, not coming mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, we've got conference championships the following Saturday and Sunday, selection Sunday, daylight savings time, my birthday. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming up in the next two. A lot weeks. of shit going on. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of shit going on, and I'm here to tell you people all about it. So she's trying to say exactly. Um, so it's going to be fun. Yeah. And I, again, I've watched more college basketball this year than I have in the last decade. So uh, I think you and I are going to have a bracket challenge. Like it's going to be, I think you and I have to be the favorites when it comes to our bracket challenge. Uncle Let's... Rico thinks that Peyton's going to give us a run, but I don't think Peyton's going to give us a run this year. He hasn't watched nearly the games we have. I question Ricardo's uh, 
sanity well, around that. Well, I think it's because Peyton is like the ultimate sports nerd, but he really hasn't watched a lot of basketball this year. He watches a lot of NBA. If it was an NBA pick him, oh, I would I'd be, take P Money's bracket and just be like, here's my money. No, I bet your bracket. But the um, the college one, I think you and I are gonna have a good shot at this. Yeah, and I we're agree. gonna we're gonna have more, we're gonna have more about that coming up and everything else. So if you're wanting to get down on some action, you know one of our best sponsors here on the podcast is DraftKings. Yes, Check sir. out the link in our show notes and follow the link, join DraftKings. Bet $5, and you're going to get $200 in free bets. It's a great deal, and it's a great way to kind of dip your toes into the gambling thing a little bit. But we always say gamble responsibly. Tip money. Don't go crazy. You know, Don't don't be like I've been lately. <laughs> That's an bet off-the-air story. Bet what you can afford to bet. That's true. Just don't, to make sure you don't click the button by accident. Mm-mm. That happened to me this week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it's a interesting week. Uh, going back to the college basketball stuff, just for a moment here. This week we we had some we had some great games on Saturday. Sunday we yep. started with a great game with Michigan going to come back uh, against Wisconsin and they get to overtime and blowing them out. Um, Arizona gets beat by Arizona State. I really liked Arizona a lot, and they had a big lead in that game too. It did. I mean, the dude hit a shot from basically three-quarter court. Yeah, I understand that. To win the game, yeah. I mean, it was an amazing luck shot. But the way that Arizona played the whole game, there shouldn't have even been – it shouldn't have never been that close. Like, they had a 10-12 point lead with just a few minutes to go, and ASU just kept coming back at him and back at him. Bobby Hurley's getting it done there. He's getting something going there. He is. And I mean, it's kind of the same with the Purdue game, right? Yeah. Purdue had that game in hand and Indiana came back and won it. And it's just, I think it's that time of season, as we all see Ford's late season, every single sport, no matter the level. Yeah. People are hurt. People are tired. There's so much on the line, so much adrenaline and it's all kind of feeding into, okay, can we do load management? Can we figure out how to win games when we don't have our best players hitting on all cylinders or they're unavailable to finish out the rest of the season and get seeding? Because at yeah. this point, that's what it's all about, whether it's conference tournament seeding or NCAA tournament seeding. It's yeah. all about seeding. Yep. Yeah, it's it's amazing. We're seeing these like, I mean, you see like this beginning of the season, we don't know who anybody is. Right. In the middle of the season, we settle in a little bit and we see all the favorites just beat up on the dogs. And now we're seeing the dogs flip off some of these favorites in a way. And you're like, wow, okay. And it does get you ready for that mindset of the tournament of anybody can win at any time. And you start seeing those, who are those teams that are going to be the eight, you know, that can beat a one. Right. You know, is Kentucky one of those teams? Is, you know, um, is Arizona State one of those teams? I mean, it's like an Arizona State or like a USC, if they get in and they get a nine or a 10, could do some damage. Even if somebody like Carolina, right, who's yeah, has zero, great example. zero quad one wins thus far this season, 
but yet had a run late last season to get to the national championship game. They, for whatever reason, clicked at the right time. And sometimes that's all it takes is clicking at the right time because it's one and done. It's not yeah. series. It's a tournament and yeah. you lose, you go home. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. It's spot on. And this is going to be, I guess it's going to be an interesting tournament. I don't think there's one favorite. I don't think there's just one team. that's just going to run away with it. No. I mean, like I think the best team is Houston right now, but you brought up a great point earlier. We were talking offline about how, if Houston matched up with Kansas, Houston can't just out athlete Kansas like they can most of the teams in in in, in the NCAA. Um, you know they they can't out athlete UCLA. They can't out athlete Alabama. But against just about everybody else, they can. So it'll well, be I mean, yeah, and that's what you see with some of these lesser major major conferences right like yeah. the american people aren't going and saying oh houston's a great team now once they integrate into the big 12 i think they'll have yeah. more of an argument but it's the same thing with gonzaga yeah. and st mary's right yeah the wcc has never been a power conference but they have a couple of teams at least one gonzaga for the last 20 years who have been battling yeah but you can't say the conference as a whole, whereas you look at the Big 12, which might have an historic strength of schedule relative to its conference, could get yeah. nine out of the 10 teams into the tournament potentially. Yeah. And it's just a bloodbath every other week or every game, you know, because every team is just that good. Whereas yeah. a lot of the other conferences, you've got your top tier and your bottom tier. And yeah. it's pretty evident who's going to win a vast majority of those matchups. Yeah. Yeah, and there's – I do have the argument. I do think that, you know, because you have these mid, mid-major teams, as we used to call them, and, and who can who I think can do damage. But what I do have a problem with is when a conference does have that – this year I think the Big 12 is a, is a great example, but it's also kind of the – if this were a different year, the quality of play in the Big 12 is better than everybody else. I mean, yeah. by far. Usually, I would be the guy who would say, hey, wait a minute. I'm not down with any team doesn't have a 500 conference record going into the tournament. And I know you and I have argued in the past about that. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking, I just pulled it up right here. So to me, that would eliminate Oklahoma State. It would eliminate... Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Oklahoma, which I don't think gets any loss for any of those. I mean, but one, two, three, four, five. You currently have six teams ranked. Yeah. If they're going to get 10 in or seven in or eight, you'd be looking at adding Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, West Virginia didn't deserve to be in. I know they played KU tough, but they have been good all season. Um, I, I tend to think that I would rather have like a nine and nine in conference Villanova than Texas Tech. Something like that. Again, to me, it's because you're also playing your conference knows you best. You're playing that's that time of season, the back half, it's more important than the front half to me. So I do think that's that one thing that I think, but that's why you can't get 10 teams in the big 10 in the big 12 or nine teams in the big 12. It's because they can't all have they can't all have a, a 500 record in conference, right? And like, you know, 
we are the I mean, we are the last of the big six conferences to have home and home. And yeah. once we have the four teams join us next season, that's done. Yeah. Yeah. And it will work to the Big 12's advantage later when they do add more teams. They have those teams coming in. And I don't know if you heard Tyler Jones and I were talking about it. He was talking about a report that he saw where the Big 12 is going to add more teams. It's well, and a matter of time. Yeah. Well, no, he's talking about like the Arizona teams are coming, Oregon and Washington are coming. So we're just going to absorb the Pac-12? I think they're going to absorb the top of the Pac-12, yes. Okay. Yeah, because the Pac-12 is having a real issue with their TV rights. Yes. Um, they're only going to go on streaming. There'll be no TV deal. Like You can't be able to see them online or on TV. So that's going to be an issue. And so yeah. I guess those schools are saying, wait a minute. The minimum guarantee we can get from the Big 12 is going to be double what we can get in the Pac-12. So yeah. that'll be interesting. But I do think the, Pac- the the Big 12 this year is incredibly hard. Yeah. And I look at those bottom teams, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. None of them are bad. None of them are terrible. No, I mean, Oklahoma and, beat Alabama by 30? Yeah, by 30. They beat the fuck out of them, yeah. Um. None of them are terrible teams. They're all above 500 except for Oklahoma, who's one game under. But you don't want to play any of those four teams at their house. Like Texas Tech, West Virginia, those are – you don't want to play there. Yeah. So that's – and I think that's important to understand how good the conference is from one to ten right now. So For sure. uh, It's a great great season. I – I think that the Big 12 has been the best conference. The Big East is right behind them. Um, the Big East tippy top is not as good as the Big 12. But the middle is a little better, I think, in the Big East. I like, think, I think the best – Yeah. Well, I think Mar- like Marquette and, and Xavier are the best two teams in the Big East. But they would be like four and five in the Big 12 right now. They'd be behind well, Kansas. They'd be behind Texas. They'd be behind Baylor. But you also have to consider UConn, which was 14-0 at one point, and they were ranked number yeah. two. Um, Providence has had a great season. They had a very good game to against Georgetown. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there, yeah. there are some good options going into yeah. the tournament with the Big East. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how – I mean, the, the Big East Conference Tournament is always just – yeah and wild and they're about yeah. to have some surprises pop up yeah so yeah the only two bad teams in that conference are DePaul and Georgetown yeah and I'm just shocked how bad Georgetown is I mean they're bad bad I you that's an almost easy bet every game now yeah whoever they're playing they're gonna lose they're gonna lose and they might lose bad in every game and, and Patrick Ewing does not look a head coach because they tend to jump out to leads and then yes. manage any of it. No. And and he doesn't, I don't think he knows how to coach like in-game. Maybe I was just watching, I, I was watching the, one of their games this past week, and they were they were giving it to UConn. I mean, just absolutely giving it to them. And you just watch the league go down, down, down. And he doesn't do a good job with timeouts. He doesn't do a good job with you know, you know, setting up a play call in the half court to get a bucket. 
I'm like, oh man, it, and it's hard because Patrick Ewing's a Georgetown legend. I mean, he is Georgetown basketball, him and John Thompson. Yeah. And that's one of those things where it's like hiring someone like that. The problem is you have to fire. Yep. And you don't want to fire your legend. Well, and so it'll be, he, they've agreed to part ways. It won't mm-hmm. be a fire. And that's how it'll go down this season. Yeah. Uh, they gave him the one-year extension yeah. a year ago. I can't imagine they can continue yeah. to extend. I can't either. I, and, and it's too bad because I think that he loves the college game and wants to oh, be absolutely. around those kids. Yeah. But it, that's a bad situation. He should have – I mean, it'd be, it'd be the equivalent of Danny Manning being the coach at, at Kansas. You know, it's a great idea, but eventually you got to fire him. You know, yeah. it's – it doesn't it doesn't work out for life anywhere with anybody. Very so, rarely. So yes. Very, very rarely. Uh hey, one basketball topic, last college basketball topic I got for you. Have you been following this Alabama piece with Brandon Miller and the gun and there was the shooting earlier in the year? I'd love yeah. to hear your take on this. You know, it's it it's interesting. I you know, I lived in Alabama for 12 years. Uh, my ex-husband his family, his parents live in Tuscaloosa. I've been on the campus any number of times for any variety of things. And when the whole thing came out, I was like, wow, this is kind of wild. And it was Miller and then the other guy that was on the team and they were dismissed. And it was a horrific thing of them trying to, one of them trying to hit on this woman. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm piecing out with my boyfriend who's in the car. And Uh, We come to find out this week in a preliminary hearing that Brandon Miller, who is maybe the number one draft prospect, top freshman in the country, uh, received a text message requesting that he bring a gun to the scene. Um, his attorney had said that he's never handled a, a firearm. They've been overly cooperative, handing over their phone, this, that, and the other. Nate Oates, in just uh, <laughs> a horribly handled press conference, was like, yeah, he was just a kid, wrong place, at the wrong time. Um, and I, I don't understand how the university's PR team didn't game that out better. And he tried to walk it back and they've tried to say um, that, you know, he's been cooperative. Everything is fine, blah, blah, blah. The thing that I don't get, and there's been some national media members who have tried to equate this to Adidas gate and say, well, Bill Self did something equivalent to this by players being bought off. And I'm like, yeah, that that equivalency, that rationale doesn't really fit. Um, Brandon Miller could have said, yeah, I'll come pick you up. Your gun won't be in the car. Or ignore the request about the gun. Or gone and picked him up sooner. Because I guess there was about, he originally got the text to be picked up around 1 o'clock. And then yeah. further texts were later that morning. The way that Alabama has handled this, 
if assuming that they knew what had happened, that Brandon Miller was involved at the jump and decided not to disclose it until the preliminary hearing where everyone was just kind of blindsided by it, is bad on the university. I'm a little bit troubled yet understand how everyone, and I'm saying this from the game day perspective, watching it yesterday, everyone's like, well, Brandon Miller has rights. He should be allowed to do whatever, blah, blah. At this point, if you're going to pull him out, you're just doing it for university uh, reputation, which is true. He did not yeah. pull the trigger. However, he transported a weapon, which was then used to kill a woman. Yeah. For no reason except for her rebuffing advances of some dude. Yeah. So I guess I'm a little confused <clears throat> in understanding yeah. both the university tact in this in soft peddling a lot of this and the national media trying to correlate this to the FBI, you know, crackdown on Adidas. None yeah. of this makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't know that you're ever going to find consistency when you look at, you know, how we press charges, how things are done from sure. one case to the other. So bringing up somebody else's situation doesn't help. Um, I do think that it's a really bad look for Alabama. It's a really bad look for Brandon Mill. Yeah. I think the other piece that needs to be understood is that hopefully Brandon Miller has learned from this and said, okay, I won't put myself in this situation again. However, I'm not sure that's correct when I saw the pregame introductions on Saturday. Oh, boy. So there's a right way and a wrong way. Now, look, it's really simple. These coaches know everything that's going on. Oh, but not but Oates. He does. But I guess unbeknownst to head coach in Alabama, to Coach Oates, uh, he doesn't know that they're going to do a pat down in the introductions to Brandon Miller. And where is some self-awareness from those players on yes. the court? Or yes. managers or whomever saying, guys, yes. come on. This is not the look. And especially when it's your player that's your generational player. This is the best player Alabama has had in the last 20, 25 years. He's a top three NBA lottery guy. You have to say, look, yes, you think this is fun, but this is not a good look for you, for any of you. Or for any of us. And Especially with it being, yeah, with it yes. being a home game at Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa, not far from where all where this all occurred. Happen? Come on. And so now Coach Oates says he didn't know about it. And I'm sure he didn't. But because he, obviously he didn't know because if he knew he'd have cut that shit out. You would but hope. At the, you would hope, yeah. But at the same time, I... Who's talking to these players? I'll give you an example. Was it two years ago, three years ago, we had the Jalen Wilson incident here in Kansas? Jalen Wilson yeah. gets a DUI? Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, I've gotten to know Jalen Wilson a little bit. I've got to meet him more than a few times. He's a, I think he's a nice young man. I think he's a great guy. But I tell you what the thing I've noticed is that that incident opened his eyes and said, I can't make those mistakes. That was me putting myself in a stupid situation. And I have more than just me to think about. Yeah. You'd hope that this whole investigation, all the shit that happened this past week, I mean, there was Alabama goes to South Carolina and plays, almost loses when they're yep. a 25-point favorite, almost loses. And hearing the announcers during the game saying the pregame sh- uh, shoot-around was solemn, that they were just quiet, and that it's obviously hanging over them, you would think that they'd come back and say, okay, we've learned something here. Let's take this moment. And that's what the coaching staff you have to do. You have to say, hey, guys, I hate this has happened to us. But let's build together and let's learn from this and make ourselves better people now and in the future. And not just try to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Right. And then to come out, for for those players to come out and do what they did pregame Saturday, it's just tone deaf. And that has to be on a coach because that means that coach is not doing what he needs to do to truly get these players to understand what's going on, what the nature of this. Yeah, and it rolls all the way down to me, the entire coaching staff, because absolutely, if the head coach isn't paying attention, the assistant should be. Yes. Or the player personnel coach or whatever the hell they call themselves that – they're supposed yeah. to be conduit between the coaching staff, the university, and the players. Yeah. This was the most idiotic thing that I could imagine seeing happening. Yeah. I I just wonder, okay, I'm looking at, we don't know there's a lottery, but if you look at the top five teams right now, who's going to pick in the top five in the NBA draft? The Rockets, the Spurs, the Pistons, the Hornets, the Magic. They're going to go to their little NBA combine, and they're going to have a talk with Brandon Miller, and they all have a legit shot at getting Brandon Miller. They've got to all go in there and have that conversation. What the fuck were you thinking? Yep. Did you learn from this, and how did you not learn from this five days later? And how did he not stand up? Yes. a leader of this team and say, hey, let's do something a little bit different. I get you're 18 years old, you're the player perhaps in the nation, and it's super exciting. Yeah. But you just had a really big kind of life check happen. Yes. Yeah. So if I'm evaluating him from a leadership Team Blue Guy standpoint, I'm kind of to your point. I'm wondering what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. Do you think that Coach Popovich put up with that shit? Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of tone deaf in the end. I, I I just feel I don't know. I, I hope this is a learning lesson for all of all people involved. So. I knew yeah. you had a pretty strong opinion. I wanted to hear about that. Hey, um, yeah, the other things I want to talk about, a couple quick football takes. Let's get in and out on this. I want to keep it kind of quick today. Um, a lot going on in Denver. 
<laughs> in and around Denver's hired Sean Payton as a new head coach. Yep. And I want to talk about this at kind of two levels. I want to talk about Sean Payton and the staff he's put together. And then I want to talk about Russell Wilson. And okay. I, I want to talk about Sean Payton first. Um, first off, slam dunk of a hire. This is a great yes. hire for the Broncos. Agreed. Um, and then Sean Payton's putting the staff together, and he has he's not fucking around. He's gone and got some really good pieces. Um, he's gone and got a bunch of his ex-players. He's got like four or five of his ex-players from New Orleans coming. Um, he did not go raid the Saints staff, which the Broncos fans, you should be very happy about. <laughs> if they if he'd have hired Pete Carmichael as his offensive coordinator, I'd been like, that's a bad hire. Um, but he didn't go and do that. He went and got like Zach Streif and a few others. They're, they're in good hands. But the surprising hire was the new defensive coordinator, Vance Johnson, the former Bronco head coach. Woo! We haven't seen this happen very often. No. Um, Vance Johnson, a, a really good defensive coordinator. Everywhere he's been, he's done a great job. It's a great hire. It just seems kind of odd to go back where you were the head coach as a defensive coordinator. And especially, I think it's a little difficult when you look at some of the other names they were talking to. They were talking to Rex Ryan. Yep. Was one of the names that got brought up. And I was, we talked offline about this. So I was like, if I would, if I could have hired Rex Ryan, heartbeat. That's an easy hire for me. Bring it on. No, we, we don't know the circumstances. And I don't think that Vance Johnson is a bad hire by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's a good hire. I just want to say that as a man, he has got to be a spectacular person and have great self-awareness to go back where you were let go as the head coach to be the defensive coordinator. I mean, that a salute to you, my man, because I could not do that. I agree. And as you've been talking through this, I wonder if part of it is the ownership change. And if that there could is very well be something different um, that he feels more comfortable coming back. But very, when you get decapped, regardless of who's running the organization, mm-hmm. if, you, if you are holding a little bitterness, you, to your point, are an amazing human being. Yes. To be able to put that aside and be like, yeah, no, this is a really good organization that I really want to be involved in. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's amazing. So my hat's off to the guy. I salute because I just, I, I guess I'm too petty a person that I would never do that. Oh, hell no. But, oh, but God bless that man to be able to do it. Um, the other piece about the whole Sean Payton thing is, He's not real happy with Team Russ. Team Russ has his own little uh, crew of coaches and an office in the facility. I guess that's all going away. Supposedly. Supposedly. That, that I don't Sean Payton was... said, hey, I think Sean Payton's going to walk in there and say, hey, Drew Brees didn't have this. Why the fuck do you uh, need it? You know, I don't know because that was addressed pretty early on after Sean Payton's hiring, and he was just like, "Yeah, yeah that's what happened here." Mm-hmm. I have not seen anything in the local press that I concern yet that that axe yeah. has been dropped, but we'll see. 
Well, they've been told they can't office in the building. So does that mean that Russ isn't going to office in the building? I don't know what that means for Russ. Now, I do know that Sean Payton worked very hands-on with Drew Brees in game planning and every week when they were together at the Saints. And you could argue that there is a lot of similarities physically with Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. Okay. Neither of them have great, great, you know, uh, Peyton Manning, you know, uh, or, you know, uh, they're, they're not great arms or great physical specimens. They're not six, five. They're not, they're not Mahomes. They're not Josh right. Allen. They don't have cannon arms. They they're on the shorter arms. side. They're having, yeah, they're both shorter. Russ is a better athlete, I think, than Drew Brees. He's a, he's faster. I mean, that kind of thing. But, but I don't think that Russ Wilson wants to be running around, running, doing run plays. At this point of his career, no, he should not. So I, it'll be interesting. I think you'll see a lot of work with Sean Payton closely with, with Russell Wilson. But I and I think Russell Wilson will have a lot to say in the game planning. I just I think that because of the experience that Sean Payton had with Drew Brees. But I do yeah. think that so I don't think that's a reflection on Wilson more than it is the reflection on Peyton. Um, but I also think that Sean Payton's going to want to be on that same page with Russell Wilson. And if they're not on the same page this first season, Sean Payton's going to find a way to get him out the paint. So here's my question then. Now that these reports have come out this past week about Russ trying to get Pete Carroll and the Seahawks GM fired over the last season that he was injured and then subsequently traded from the Seahawks, how is Sean Payton taking that into account relative to his burgeoning relationship with Russell Wilson? Like, how would you imagine that he would have that in his back pocket? Yeah, that's the, the power the, the power struggle there. That's the thing yeah. now, the power struggle. Usually the player has the control because of the money. You know, it's we, we'll see that. Russ tried a little bit of a power play, it sounds like, in Seattle with Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll wasn't having it and said, you're gone, and he won. I, I tend to think that if something like that happens again, that Russ will lose to the coach again. Because Sean Payton's a future Hall of Famer, we know that. Well, they've and, put a the Broncos also, have put a lot behind him as well. The thing of it is, too, that I think tends to get lost is that Russ, that trade was put together by the former ownership group. Yeah, not who currently owns the team now and who yeah. hired Sean Payton. Yeah, and they also have the skin in the game of having to give up a first round pick. So there's more of the, hey, we gave this up to bring him in, and we're paying him very well. So the the money thing where you usually go, well, we can't get rid of the player because the player costs so much on the cap. Now Russ is in season two. If it doesn't work out in season two, they're going to find a way to get rid of him. Interesting. Okay. I That's something I don't think has been talked about yet, but that's something that I predict. I I think they're going to get along. I do. I think Russ is smart enough to understand that Sean Payton is a fucking offensive genius and that skill set and with the receivers and the players they've already got there, there's already some pieces. 
So you'll see an offense similar to what Sean Payton had in New Orleans. They're going to score points. Okay. They're going to get. They're going to give up a lot of points too. <laughs> they're going to score a lot of points. It's going to be like watching the Saints the last decade. Fair. So get ready. Get ready, Denver. Um, but I do want to uh, talk about that Russ Wilson thing. He's the Russell Wilson's the nine that he asked for Pete Carroll to get fired. Not just Pete Carroll, but the GM as well. And that's just the peak of entitled quarterback, isn't it? Well, it's the peak of entitled player. We've seen it with yeah. LeBron. We have yeah. seen it with other players in various leagues where okay. they decide that they are bigger than or as big as the organization itself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a player wins out. We've seen LeBron get several coaches fired. And now we're kind of seeing the pushback with Russ. And I think it's different uh, calculation with Russ because, yes, he won a Super Bowl, but what else has he done? Yes. So that's where I was going to go with this is that, okay, so you brought up the LeBron. Look, LeBron is a little different level than Russell Wilson. Exactly. He is the the generational talent. At Um, multiple teams – Yes, and and any team would do what LeBron would want to go there. Right. Russell Wilson thinks he's better than he is if he thinks that he can make those kind of moves. Because look at it this way, and you said it already, you know, he won the Super Bowl, and I think a lot of people realize that's the Legion of Boom Super Bowl. Yep. Um, and they were one play from getting Russ the Super Bowl, and they chose to throw it instead of run it. I wouldn't have put it in Russ's hands. I would have just handed it to Mark Sean. That was easy enough. Um, right. But the thing about it is that I, I, this is a bad example, but it illustrates the point. You got to know who you are. If Patrick Mahomes woke up tomorrow and said to the Chiefs, this Andy Reid thing ain't working. I, I Yeah, Fat Man and I ain't going to get along anymore. One of us has got to go. Who's gone? Hell, if Patrick Mahomes had woken up and said, yeah, Eric Bieniemy needs to stay here, Eric Bieniemy would still be with the Chiefs. Yes, yes. And if he said tomorrow, then again, I'm just I'm just saying this, this is not something that Patrick Mahomes would do. This has no. obviously worked out very well. I'm using this as an illustrative point. If Patrick Mahomes woke up and said, read or me, one of us is out of here. Andy Reid's on the first thing smoking out of town. I mean, we saw that's that Mahomes. in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes, that's that's the first. That, I mean, it's that's what it would happen if Joe Burrow did the same thing as Cincy. It's me or Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor's gone. You know, um, Tom Brady, same thing. There's the tippy top guys, and then there's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's not one of those guys. He can't come in and go, "Hey, fellas, it's either me or that guy." No. Because it's real easy for if you're the GM, or the, the owner of the GM and the coach of the Seahawks to go, hey, look, dude, you won as a second-year player because we had the greatest defensive backfield in the history of this fucking league. And then when we did put it in your hands, you blew it. Yep. And you ain't been right. You ain't been great since. And we've given you some pieces. We gave you maybe the most athletic dude in the league. 
and DK Metcalf, and you still can't get it together. I can replace you. And the fact that he was doing it while he was injured. Yes. Shows the size of an ego that should not be, frankly, you have to have a sizable ego to be a quarterback in the NFL. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. In any professional league. I, I don't discount that. It's necessary. He's out of pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no, he's just, he's out of pocket. Yeah. I wonder what he learned on this. Because if he, he does this to Sean Payton, but if he learned, if he did this, if he does this to Sean Payton, he loses the struggle of Sean Payton. He didn't learn shit. I don't think he did either. If he better he, he better get on the page with Sean Payton because if he doesn't, hell, it's gonna be his ass. He carried his entourage into Denver. Mm-hmm. He didn't learn shit. No, and if and if he goes in there and fucks with Sean Payton. He's going to be carrying his entourage to straight the fuck out. On that note, um, don't forget, check out the show notes to get our link for uh, DraftKings. You place one bet, you're going to get $100, $200 in free bets. Sorry, we're cracking ourselves up over here. Um, so, Ellen, thanks for coming in today. I appreciate it, as always. Thanks for doing this a couple weeks in a row. No point five. Thanks for your patience the last couple weeks. No worries. We, we're, sometimes we don't have a lot of football to talk about. We're just going to do one a week because busy sometimes. Well, I miss and, you too. Yeah, and there's going to be times where there may be things going on we'll talk about later that could be interfering with the pod here and there. But anyway, uh, also want to send a shout out to Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox. Thanks for all you do behind the scenes. Uh, I'll be on the Jones Report again this week. We've been having a lot of fun over there. And uh, he's been, if you haven't listened, he had a great uh Pod this past week, live from Daytona. He's doing all that stuff with NASCAR. If you're a NASCAR fan at all, check out the Jones Report with Tyler Jones. He's got some cool stuff going on over there. Um, Cheers to Tyler we'll, for his big yes. fucking blow up that he's doing right now. It's it's yeah, fantastic. dude is dude is busy as shit with chat sports and now NASCAR and all the stuff he's doing with David Starr and everything else. All these podcasts for him to have to take the time and help with our lonely, lonely little podcast here is kind of nice. It's Absolutely. Thank you. So, so uh, but most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. If you want to give us less than five stars, well, they go fuck yourself. Until next week, that's Ellen Wingenter. I'm Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.